You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Y'all know what it is. Hoop and Holly here. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Before we get into anything else, we're going to be talking a whole lot of most valuable whatever the hell today. But let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit, gentlemen. We surpassed a milestone recently on Hoop and Holler. 7,000 listens. Round of applause. I can't clap. I'm holding a microphone, but that's solid, man. Yeah, somebody clapping a little too much, man. We need that happening. <laughs> <laughs> But no, thank you, obviously, to all of the listeners, all of the support. Seven, like 7,000 in the grand scheme of podcasting. I don't know if that's a lot or a little. Um, I probably should know. But it feels like a lot. Like 7,000 times somebody's decided to listen to Eddie, Julio, and Reagan talk about basketball for an hour. That's pretty dope. Um, I'm going to say this at the top of the show instead of the end of the show because I feel like not everybody listens to the end of the show. But like it's about 50 of y'all out there, give or take, that listens to every episode. <laughs> I want to know who the hell y'all are because I know it's just not my parents. I know it's not just Eddie's parents. Like that, it's, it's, there's there's numbers in there that we don't know who y'all are, right? But y'all are clearly faithful listeners to the Hoop and Holler podcast, and we appreciate that. We want to know who y'all are. All that is to say, go follow the socials at Hoop Holler Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Interact with us. We'd love to talk it up, with, uh, talk ball with y'all. Look like he was gonna say something. Uh, yeah, and tag us when you think one of us is being blasphemous or. Just out of pocket. Yeah. All that good stuff. Yeah, we you, you're going to be wrong. Like, I ain't never been wrong. I know that much. So <laughs> don't come for me, but you can come for them too. So <laughs> appreciate y'all. All seriousness, appreciate y'all on this journey. So MVP talk. We knew this episode was going to come at some point or another. And we figured we'd do something a little bit theatric with it. So the idea is we're all going to be making a case for a specific player that is a uh, that has been on the MVP block, um, per se. But the twist is, right, one of us is going to be the judge of the argument, and the other two is either going to be taking the affirmative or the negative on a given player. So let's say that the MVP is John Morant, right? Just to humor me a little bit. We know that time's coming down the line. Say it's MVP. Eddie's the judge. I'm arguing the affirmative. Julio's arguing the negative. We're going to be doing that for the MVP candidates but on a rotational basis so i'm going to judge one eddie's going to judge one julio's going to judge one and we're going to go ahead and get into it and then we're going to close the episode giving our thoughts about mvp what makes an mvp as well as giving you obviously our mvp picks we wouldn't just do all this and not give you all who we think is going to win the shit so without further ado i've been talking a lot i want to go ahead and hear y'all talk we're going to get into it starting right now with our first person on the block mr stephen curry eddie you are the Stephen Curry guy. You're a Warriors fan. You're from the Bay. It's only natural that you argue the negative. I'm going to make you argue the negative because I always hear you talk positively about Stephen Curry. I don't know if you have a negative word in your negative word in a bone in your body to say about Stephen Curry, so we're going to find out right now. Are you cool with that? You're on the negative? 
completely fine with it. And put you on the positive, Julio. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Eddie negative, Julio positive, Stephen Curry MVP. Have at it. So, the first thing I want to start off with is that it, and I I referenced this, you know, in, in the last episode, I think, that it's super, it's not even frustrating, it's infuriating that you know, up until now, it, it took like a simple, a, I don't want to say a simple hot streak because that, that kind of seems like I'm diminishing what Steph um, is doing right now. But it's it's a hot streak. Like we all understand that Steph is capable at this, maybe at in, in any game at any moment of time in, in his entire career. So it shouldn't take what he's doing right now this season, these past few games, for us to even be entertaining the debate of, uh, of you know, is he the greatest PG of all time? Bro, been the greatest PG of all time. I, I really don't understand all of this nonsense. And don't even get me started with uh, folks saying that he's not top 20 or, you know, mere, not top 15 ever. That is super disrespectful. But anyways, going just going back to this season, the Warriors are 1-7 without Steph. That that kind of paints the entire picture, um, you know, from a macro perspective on how important Steph is to this team, to the franchise, how he makes everything move. He's literally their own. I said this at the very beginning of the season. Bro has to really score about 40 a game to get a W. And I and even then it's not. Yeah, even then, these games are close as hell. It's like, it's not even fair to this man, right? And the thing that really got me about uh, um, what he's doing right now, whenever I go back and look at, at players and, you know, whether we're debating who should be MVP, who, you know, who's the greatest of all time, and, and I'm trying to rank, you know, these players in, in different categories, I look at some of their best seasons and I look at, uh, um, you know, Games that they strung together of, uh, you know, of spectacular performances. And Steph just recently broke Kobe's record of I forgot how many games of he, that he scored over like 30. Bro's been like insane, right? And, you know, to me, that when, when that happens, that's, that's a big plus in, in the argument for a person winning the MVP. The other argument is obviously, you know, the team's record without him. Steph is 28 and 22 uh, when he's playing, and that, that's the Warriors' record. Now imagine if you actually gave him another player to work with, like Clay, or like they think Draymond is, right? Draymond is not that guy this year. He's never, you know, not that he's never been that guy, but, you know, he's just, I, I don't know. I just don't think he's good anymore. But overall... Th- the only argument against Steph is the injuries and that he missed a few games. But guess what? A bunch of guys missed a few games. The only person who didn't is Nikola Jokic. And even then, you can you can just see Steph's impact and value. It, it really just speaks for himself. The teammates around him are just, just god-awful. It must be super frustrating as a Warriors fan. So, um, you know, I, I think the argument for Steph is quite simple. It is very frustrating as a Warriors fan. Um you know, 100% honest. But um, first of all, I do want to say that I'm okay with arguing against Steph Curry in this, you know, in, in this in this argument, because I feel like 
you know, between you, Julio and Reagan, that you guys have kind of taken the mantle of standing Steph and, you know, caping for Steph. And I feel like I've done my work in the last 365 plus days for you guys to recognize that greatness. So my job on the podcast is done. You know, I feel like I've accomplished the all world, I needed Eddie, to. The world I, needs to know. I've been, I've been felt this way. Though. But okay, I'm so not the truth lie. Is, I was indoctrinated by Eddie. The the truth is, um, I've actually been thinking a lot, especially with the Steph recent run, whether he really deserves MVP or not. Because early in the year, um, when Steph went on his like first hot run, I was like, yeah, like he should be. But then you know, as the season goes on, um, even with his recent hot streak. Um, before even Reagan forced me to argue against stuff, I was thinking about why I can't really fully feel like 100% conviction in saying that Steph is the MVP, even though I really want him to be. And it's that just historically, given the players that I've supported in the past for MVP, I still think that team success in some way matters. And I know, Julio, you brought up the you know 28 and 22 when he plays, uh, his, his roster around him that's not very good um the one in seven when he doesn't play but you know this team is under 500 and maybe they finish like barely above 500 when the season ends but i just don't think you can give mvp to a player whose team is not you know ha- have had any real like success and and i think about the past you know we talk about like i hated the russell westbrook mvp when everyone was so impressed by his triple doubles you know, his fraudulent stats and all of that. And that team was a six seed. And I thought having a, a an MVP as a six seed on your team was really, you know, egregious. And, you know, I think about the past two years with Giannis, you know, like maybe we realized that Giannis was not the great player that his numbers indicated, but, you know, the whole best player, best team thing, you know, the, the regular season dominance, all of that. Like, I, I think it mattered. So, you know, again, it's like, it's so hard to argue for a player and say that he's the most valuable to their team um when the team isn't as successful you know as all of the other candidates on the other teams because at a certain point like that value has to translate into something beyond dragging a team to the playoffs you know and i I really do believe that but yeah but it's but it's not crystal clear give steph ben simmons see what happens that's true. I can't like. See, but here's the thing, like, though. See, I see don't. What happens. It's like I don't like to punish players for. Um, for, for, for for example, if you give Steph the MVP for saying that he doesn't have good teammates, you're basically punishing guys like uh, Embiid for having a Simmons or punishing a Harden for having KD and Kyrie. You know, and it's like you don't. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't really believe that yeah. you should punish players for the situation they're in. Just like I don't punish. Like some people say, like oh, when when Embiid was hurt, Ben Simmons uh, and the Sixers had like a pretty good record. It's like I don't like punishing players for circumstances outside their control, you know. But yeah, no, of course, and I re- I don't like punishing players either. But what it does tell you is just w- what it does show you on the on the opposite side, on Steph's side, when you're alone, like he is, it shows you very very crystal clear just how valuable most valuable player just how valuable that man is the warriors uh in a, in a regular 82 game schedule would be a 10 win team you know how horrible that is that's actually atrocious like that that's not even man it's just 
I, I really I, I really can't I really can't say it and really depict it with words. It's just it's unbelievable. It it really is. And put him in the Eastern Conference, see how much you know better his record gets there. It's just it's laughable, really. Well, if you ask Stephen Curry, uh, did you have something to add, Eddie? I really don't. It's hard it's hard to find more things to to go <laughs> it's against. Hard my to guy. find as much anti Steph slander we'll get from Eddie in a lifetime. Um, but if you ask Steph, you know, he said recently, I got to be MVP, but I probably won't get it, but whatever. And that's the most assertive I think I've ever heard Steph be about his legacy in his lifetime. So, you know, there you have it. The Steph argument. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I am relinquishing my role as judge. I would have to say, if I'm going to pick a winner here, hmm, I feel like I am more inclined to agree with Eddie, but Julio made a better argument. So I'm gonna go with Julio. I'm gonna go with Julio. You can't be mad at that. You put me in a you know you, you handicapped cool. me to begin with. So yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. All right. So. All right. So do I want to go next? Yeah, or yeah. You got it. You got it. I relinquish to you. So. All right. So I'm. I will be the judge for the Chris Paul uh, argument that's gonna go on between Eddie and Reagan. I haven't made up in my mind who's gonna be pro, who's gonna be con. Let me put. Uh, I think I know Eddie's argument for pro CP3, so let me put him on the con side and Reagan on the pro side. Damn, why you do that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, y'all didn't hear that. Stephen, or Chris Paul is the MVP, and let me tell you why. So Chris <laughs> Paul is your NBA MVP because we're talking about not just basketball ability, that was the case. We give it to LeBron every year. We're not talking about just the best player on the best team. It's not that cut and dry. We're not even talking about the most valuable to the league. If that were the case, it'd probably be LeBron James every year. When we talk about most valuable player. We're talking about it's inherent value, impact. So let's talk about Chris Paul and the impact that he's had on the Phoenix Suns. I know that we talk about Monty Williams and his impact. Obviously, Devin Booker's a hell of a basketball player, but there's no way around the fact that the Phoenix Suns last year and this year are night and day. The Phoenix Suns are currently sitting, what, second in the Western Conference ahead of the Clippers, ahead of the Lakers, and obviously injuries have something to do with it. But the fact of the matter is nobody, or next to nobody, anticipated this much of a leap from the Phoenix Suns, but you get Chris Paul in that locker room, and it's clear. Now, I know we're just talking about the context of this year, but we should also bring up the fact that this has been consistent throughout Chris Paul's career. Wherever he's landed at, his impact has been extremely evident, whether that was back when he was with the uh, Hornets, when he get when he got to Los Angeles with the Clippers, when he goes to OKC, when he goes to Houston, now that he's in Phoenix, like, wherever he's at, that team instantly gets better. So the impact of Chris Paul cannot be understated. Now the fact that he has a team sitting at number two, ready to push some of these top Western Conference teams for that championship, you have to include his name in the conversation. Hell, I would venture to say that you have to say he is the MVP because you cannot point to a more valuable player to their team in basketball right now. That's my case. Let's put him, let's put him behind Steph, but I, I hear you. Okay, but then we can throw, we can throw in... Um, you know, team success, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You know. Listen, okay. I know, okay. I know you uh, uh, moderated a panel with Mr. Stephen A. Smith uh, just <laughs> Don't yesterday. Bring up that. And what? It's, I mean, it, it really did sound like you know you 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 took a couple pages out of his book. 
you know, you said the here, let me tell you why, you know, you, 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 you were super affirmative. You really felt convicted in something. I know you don't believe in <laughs> because look, <laughs> this is, a, I'm glad you put me on the against argument, Julio, because I'm like in reality, I'm not even like acting here. I'm just like, I, I just don't understand why his name is being brought up because how can you be a second best player on your team and get more MVP love than the best player on your team. If I'm Devin Value. Booker, if I'm no look, if I'm Devin Booker, I would be furious. You know, like I I would say I, I'm the one averaging 25. You know, like I'm the star. I'm the guy getting buckets. I'm the best player on the team, hands down. How can a player who has not been as good as me this season get more MVP love than me? This is all just reputation. Chris Paul is, you know, the, the Players Association president. Chris Paul has the media love, you know, has the coaches love, uh, you know, is loved by Adam Silver and, and all of the people working up in the high up offices. But he is not even the best player on his own team and he's getting more love. It's just ridiculous. And listen, like, I don't want to hate on Chris Paul. I think he's a great player. You know, I thought he was one of the best players in the 2010s, all of that. I think he's been great for Phoenix. I love watching Phoenix play. So I don't want to slander Chris Paul unnecessarily, but we also do have to consider the type of jump that Mikhail Bridges has brought to Phoenix, you know, as a role player, um, the type of jump that Cam Johnson has brought. And we've seen guys on the bench, like even like Cameron Payne play really well. You know, people are talking about DeAndre Ayton, a player that I don't really love that much, but he's also really improved as the season's gone on. So Chris Paul's a good player, don't get me wrong, but it's just, is ridiculous that, again, a second best player is getting more love for MVP than a best player on the team. Now, now, someone can someone answer this for me? Is this the, M, the MTP? Is this the MTP, that most talented player? Or is it the most valuable player? All right, I get it. We can go to the box store. We can see how many points that Devin Booker puts up per game. But you said you'd be pissed if you were Devin Booker? If I'm Devin Booker, I'm looking at Chris Paul in the locker room every single day, and I'm thanking you. Thank you, Chris, for coming to my team and getting me out of the gulag where I was every single year with this terrible behind team and coming here and whipping these guys into shape and giving us some semblance of order and structure and somewhere to go as an offense and a defense and as a team in general that team is night and day between that last year and this year you can't tell me that the primary reason for that yes i do have to give a nod to all the players who have clearly made improvements i'm not trying to take anything away from them but it's a lot easier to prove it or improve i should say when you have a guy like chris paul who is serving as a north star who's serving as a guiding compass in his league Leading that team I'm talking about value here not just in the box score not just in terms of how many points they put up per game how many flashy plays they can make but how much do you make that team better clearly Chris Paul is making that Phoenix Sun team a lot better I can't deny that but he should still be furious because you know if you are Bam Adebayo in Miami or sorry if you're Jimmy Butler in Miami and you saw people saying you know Bam should be more of an MVP than you are I would be pissed too if I was you know K Jimmy, if, I, if, Jimmy I was KD, Miami. If, if I was KD when he was in OKC and people were gassing up Russell Westbrook for dropping triple doubles or something and saying that he was the MVP I would have left like he was too you know like that's not again now you know what be apples player to apples is Phoenix. KD going to Golden State that's apples to apples because that's somebody coming to your organization, right? That I mean, Phoenix was in dire straits prior to Chris Paul. Let's not forget that this was a team last year that had the 10th overall pick. 
Jalen Smith, I, like, we can get into whether they should have made that pick or not, but like they were in the lottery. They were a lottery team, and now you're looking at the second best team in this deep behind West. Thank you, Chris Paul. I appreciate you, Chris Paul. You're the MVP, Chris Paul. I rest my case. All right, Julio, make a decision. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, shoot. I, I think one thing you could have brought up, Betty, uh, was I, – I, and I know you said pre-show that you don't like to use numbers. But at, at one – like at, at some point, I understand that, yes, Reagan, it, it is about impact and what you bring to your team. But you also have to back it up with some numbers. Bro is only averaging like 14 – uh, eight and four, and obviously his impact is much greater I, than that. I was so ready for that argument because I was gonna be like, "Yo, I remember another Phoenix Sun point guard that did win MVPs when he didn't put up the best numbers, Mister <laughs> Steve Nash." I was yeah, ready but for he, it. I was then, ready then, for it. Then I was. But ready. then Eddie Eddie's argument should have been he shouldn't have won those MVPs, and I would have agreed in my heart of hearts. I wouldn't have shown. <laughs> I wouldn't have shown you. I wouldn't have shown you that. But and I would have agreed. And then uh, something to illustrate really his impact at a larger scale, Reagan, that could have helped you was that he's good for about 21 wins. If you if you aggregate the winning percentage from last year, I think they're they're at 38 wins. Mm-hmm. And this year they'd be at on a regular 82 game schedule, they'd be at 60, 59, 60 wins. So he's good for a good, you know, 21, 22 extra wins, which is pretty that is pretty insane. Pretty bonkers. Uh, that is a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of math for me. But like, shoot, if I had a stat assistant right here with me, you better believe I'd have pulled that one out. Shoot, who else, who, who got um, it? Julio? Who got it? So I think you know, from an argument side, I would choose uh, Reagan just because Eddie. I think you focused a little bit too much yes, on sir. Devin Booker being upset. <laughs> Listen, that that's Eddie's the part that got today. me. That that's the part that got me when the yeah. news came out. Like. If I was in Devin Booker's shoes, you know, I would have done what Draymond told me to do last year and and, and get out of Phoenix. If people weren't going to give me love yeah. for leading this team to, you know, being the the second best team in the league, you know, go go get your shine elsewhere, you know, yeah. go to LA or something. But I I, I do I, yeah, but I do hear you out because at some point, although this is not, you know, the best player, it's MVP, but you know, a lot of times those things are synonymous, so mm-hmm. uh I would be inclined to agree with you, Eddie. All right. Let's move on to the final player to argue about. And I do like to say, and I do want to say that, you know, I, I don't do this podcast to, to do my Skip Bayless or Stephen A impersonation. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not a natural arguer. I didn't do mock trial or, or all of those dumb clubs in high school. So, you know, a little bit inexperienced there. But let's move on to the final player, which is James Harden. You know, arguably Brooklyn's best player this season, question mark. But... I don't know. That's something to talk about. So for Julio and Reagan, Julio, I'll have you argue for the case for James Harden and Reagan, I'll have you argue against. So let's begin. So (laughs) shoot, this is tough, bro. This is tough. You already lost. You already lost. (laughs) Let's cut that out. I'm not cutting shit out. Um, I'm not cutting the damn thing out. So, um, on the on the James Harden side of things, I, I think the the thing that that really you know sincerely you know outside of this all this you know argument and ma- making stuff up, but um, the thing that really impressed me the most was his ability to really adapt and uh, be sincere in his. I, I'm I'm serious. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm serious. Uh-huh. 
you, you know, when he first got to Brooklyn, he, you know, he was talking about all, all that stuff that all players talk about. I'm all, I'm only here about winning. You know, all I care about is winning any way that I can help the team. And really what he showed on the court was just that he wasn't, he adjusted his play uh, from Houston and adapted it to the Brooklyn Nets team, uh, obviously recognizing that he has much, much more talent um, on this squad than he did in Houston. So he, he adapted as so. At, at the beginning, it, it was bumpy. They lost, I think, two straight to the horrible Cleveland Cavaliers. But after that, it was, it was, uh, he had everybody convinced. L- let me just say this. He had everybody convinced that they would easily win the championship. I, I mean, that, that's, and now that he's been out and, and, you know, even though Kyrie's been going off in some games, KD returned, got injured again. Now everybody's starting to doubt them, and a lot of people are starting to pick Philly. So I just want to point that out for impact, that he makes this engine run. Almost similar to KD on the Warriors, yes, KD might have been the best player, but Steph was the most important player. The only difference is now is that KD's been out the whole season. And really, even when both players were playing, James Harden was, in fact, easily the best player. Bro was putting up triple doubles like 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 his name was Russell Westbrook, but he, it was actually equating to, you know, <laughs> more wins. <laughs> I, I know Eddie liked that one, but um, yeah, man, he had everybody convinced that they win the championship. What more can you ask? So so let me cut you off because you were saying, here's all I heard. I just heard a whole lot of when he was playing and he had everyone convinced and he was dropping all these. Tri- what he doing right now? He's hurt, but okay. like, like, I said, like I said in the step <laughs> argument, a lot of a lot of these players have been hurt. A lot of these players a lot of these hurt. players have been hurt. I, I will afford you that, but let me let me tell you something. When we're talking about the MVP, let's all remember that this is a regular season award, right? This goes to the best player, the most valuable player in the regular season. We are sixty-eight games into this regular season. My guy has played thirty-four for the Brooklyn Nets. 68 games in, and he's played half, and we're going to MVP? First of all, the Nets don't even give a fuck about the regular season. Let's make that very abundantly clear. The Nets don't give a shit what happens in this regular season. So I don't know how we can hand it to any of them, but if we're going to hand it to one, it's going to be James Harden? He hasn't even played the most games of their big three. That would be Mr. Kyrie Irving. James Harden ain't no MVP. It's ridiculous that we're having this conversation. If he, now I will say this. If he kept playing, maybe we could have this conversation because he was killing it while he was playing, but that was in the past. And now, old Uncle James Harden is sitting on the sidelines icing his hammy right now because, you know, he got to get ready for the postseason. That's all that matters in Brooklyn. Don't no one care about the regular season award. This would be literally the death of the regular season if we handed the MVP to one of those Brooklyn Nets players because clearly... This isn't about the regular season for him. And that's fine to use a Julioism. That's fine. <laughs> but you don't deserve any regular season accolades now if that's going to be the case. You don't deserve any regular season awards if that's going to be the case. James Harden's not your regular season MVP. Get out of here. Stop it. Next. He's, all I know is that they're 25 and 7 when he plays. 25 and 7 when he plays? Yeah. That's literally under half of the games that they've played this season. <laughs> that is literally 
under their 25 and 7 of the 68 games that they've played. Yeah. Imagine, I mean, a imagine, lot of players imagine, have missed time. Julio, imagine we put an um, intramural team together and we're like, Julio, we need you to be part of this team, bro. And you put up to half the games. You don't get the MVP so, trophies at the end. Of okay, the so so if you held all the votes to the to the MVP voting, the the unanimous MVP would be Jokic, right? He's the only one who's played. We can get into games. it. Uh, that's that might be a perfect transition, but Eddie does have to pass his judgment on this argument. Uh, I do want to say that Reagan made some great points. Brooklyn does not care about the regular season. You know, yeah, we, none uh, of their players do, but. I do have to dock you for, you know, getting some of your calculations wrong because Brooklyn's only played oh, 58 shit. games. You, I think you, I think Fucking you, math, man. It's always <laughs> math. It's I think, always because math. You, you kept on saying 68, and I remember that the season is only like 70 72. games long. So it's fucking math. Something yeah. It's always going to be math in me. Jesus Christ. But the truth is like, I think. From, I'd have you believing it was it was. 68 though didn't it? i mean you made me go to google no just it didn't calculate in my head <laughs> exactly but the thing is like i think in terms of what i actually agree with i feel like i agree with julio more in that you know brooklyn we think they don't care about the regular season but when james harden plays especially when he was playing with timothy luau cabarro as his second best player they you know they were beating up teams on the west coast stretch they were winning against milwaukee against phoenix against denver and this was, you know, James Harden, like that was him carrying like he was in Houston at times, you know. So, like, I can't even agree that, you know, James Harden doesn't care about the regular season because there are times where he really puts that team on his back and makes them look really impressive, you know. But, of course, there, there's other times when there, there's other times when obviously it looks like um, Brooklyn doesn't care. And, you know, the whole the whole injuries thing. James Harden has been the most available player for Brooklyn this season, you know, consistently until this until this um injury from the trade. That's, obviously, that's not true uh, until the injury. Okay, I'll hand you that. Because because like once he was traded there, he pretty much played almost every game until you know he hurt his hamstring. You can't say that about Kyrie and his spiritual journeys, like I was talking about, and KD and and he and he keeps <laughs> well, on. Shit. Kyrie's spirituality is more available than uh, Harden's hamstring, so. Hey, when they're both out, they're both out for different reasons. But, you know, for those reasons and the fact that, you know, you couldn't carry the one correctly, I think I have to give this to Julio. That's bullshit. But I, I can't get mad at it. Let's go. Math is always Let's go. just the Achilles heel, man. One of these days. Um, what was I going to say? We do need to have a, a discussion, though, at some point on this podcast. Because I know I've been talking a whole lot of noise about Brooklyn and how Brooklyn's this and Brooklyn's that. And they're ahead of everybody. But it's a little bit concerning to me that they haven't, almost like the Clippers last year, haven't stepped on that court as a full team yet and gotten it figured out. So that's a discussion for another day. Hulo, you brought up uh, Nikola Jokic. But before we get into some like what I would consider to be the top three candidates, um, being Jokic and Bede and Curry, we should discuss kind of what it means to be the MVP in today's NBA. How do we qualify? How do we define the MVP because in this year where it's like probably the most or the least I should say narrative driven than it's ever been right last year we had to give it to Giannis because Giannis is putting up even more insane numbers than he did the previous year which we had to give it to him because his numbers were so insane and we had to give it to who won the year before that was that Harden was that, one? that was a hard that was year. a hard one and we had to give it to Harden because we've been skating hard in all those years and we had to give it to Curry because Curry was like he was lighting everybody up right so 
this is probably the least narrative-driven MVP that I've seen in a very long time. I think we can all agree on that. So because it's not going to be driven by narrative, uh, because there's really no narrative to be had, it really forces you to think what makes an MVP. So I want to extend that question to y'all. What makes, in, in your personal estimation, what makes the MVP the NBA MVP? For me, MVP, the, the, the one word that sticks out, the only word that's really important in this whole discussion is contextualization. You have to contextualize everything. Mm. Now, I'm not, uh, again, and, and this goes to everything, every aspect of, of just the season for, for that specific player, whether it's the teammates around you. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to reward Steph for, and, you know, inversely uh, uh, punish a guy like Joel Embiid who has a guy like Ben Simmons. But it is much more crystal clear, just like I said earlier. You can visualize it very clearly with Steph just how valuable he is. You can't not, – not to say you can't quantify Embiid's uh, uh, value to the Sixers because he's obviously the best player for that team. But it's much more crystal clear with Steph. Um, and then the the other aspect is the is the injuries. Now I do know that um, he's missed. He's only missed eight games. And my my entire my, my kind of philosophy, not to say that ten is the cutoff, and if you miss ten or eleven, that you're no longer the MVP. But the man has missed only sing, you know single digits. It's not like he's missed a third of the season. So especially when you're in a year where a lot of players are. Ex- are experiencing a bunch of injuries then it kind of you know not that it doesn't matter but it's it becomes much less of a factor and then i i got to look at the record when you're on the floor and when you're off the floor i already already you know spoke to lengths about this the warriors would be a 10 win team in an 82 game schedule i don't know a 72 game schedule they'd be a single digit team that would put them in line with the worst team or the worst record ever i think it was the knicks like seven and something just horrible just atrocious it probably put him up there with the with the gerald henderson bobcats you you know in in that team so uh that that's my whole thing contextualization um and to me it's pretty clear that it's steph and the thing that frustrates me the most is that yes although i'm happy that a lot of people are giving Steph his, his, his flowers, not only for his career overall, but for this season, saying that, oh, yeah, we should have him in the MVP discussion. Bro should have been in the MVP discussion this whole time. It's not that complicated, man. It's really not that complicated. Why did it take a, a, a hot streak to put him there? And I understand that, that that is a factor, but it shouldn't be the determining factor that, oh, shoot, you know, he had six crazy straight games. Now he's an MVP when before he wasn't even in the conversation like that. that that's just like that's like Twitter. You know, who's trending on Twitter? Oh, shoot. They're the MVP now. Lo, you know, Lo, LeVar Ball can trend on Twitter and he shoot Lonzo will be the MVP. <laughs> like it, it's, it's just like it's it's embarrassing how some of these shows kind of uh just hop on those bandwagons and I, I just it rubs me the wrong way because I, I don't want to seem like I'm hopping on some bandwagon. Oh, shoot. Steph is finally showing up, bro. Bro, been showing up this whole season. And I think I, I just think the, the argument for him is pretty easy. So parameters, that's a really good question, because I can tell you what I don't think constitutes, you know, an MVP 
in that like I don't think you have to talk about the on off record like when they do play and when they don't play because what happens is as we saw in Philly like when your star player goes out oftentimes you know your role players start you know being more motivated to play better they they kind of kick it into another gear so it's like I don't think it's really you know that that record when a, a player plays and doesn't I don't think it's really like it's really clear cut you know and then another thing is like availability like to a certain degree like yes you have to be available but I don't think that a player that is um there for all 82 necessarily deserves more love than a player who's been there for like 70 um and then after that I'll be completely honest I don't think I have like great parameters it's really just a player that impresses me the most that season not only you know numbers wise but like watching them play um, and as long as you have some semblance of like team success that I can tell that you are the igniter of that said team success, um, like, I think that's really my MVP and like that, that's not really a parameter at all. Like that's so super arbitrary. Um, but like completely honest, like that's, that's just kind of how I operate. I feel like I don't, I don't like having set parameters every year cause I feel like it changes every year. It's a feel and that that kind of that kind of goes into Julio's um, contextualization. It changes every year. So, just kind of not. This isn't my personal parameters, but I feel like it's necessary to define what tends to be the parameters for a lot of cases. And you saw these parameters kind of show up in our arguments, which is kind of a fun way to highlight some of them. Which is some people will look at the MVP and say that has to be the best player on the best team, right? Some people will look at it and say that's the most talented player in the league regardless of how good his team is how well they play this year it's like who is the best player in the nba some people look at it and say who has been most instrumental to their team's success who can their team not afford to have um some people will say who's been most consistently at playing at a high level throughout the year and some people will say who had the highest impact so there's a lot of different ways to uh skin the skin the cow we're just gonna keep it with cows um (laughs) And uh, as for me, and I know I kind of talked about, like, I don't really like narratives, but there's got to be, I, I, I'm, I, I mean, if, I, I like the theatrics of it. I love the joy of basketball. So there's got to be a little element of, you know, just a little element of showtime to it is like, yeah, yeah, that's my MVP, whether that's in the play itself, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be in the narrative like, oh, Russell Westbrook sticking it to Kevin Durant right now, but it can just be in the narrative like, yo, look how dominant this dude is, right? Whether it was Giannis, whether it was Steph, um, sometimes it's a narrative in in the form of, you know, this guy has been grinding for it for this long and still hasn't gotten it in James Harden. I do like to see some semblance of a narrative, but I don't want it to be driven upon that narrative. I think it's the difference that needs to be made. Um, but in terms of other qualifications, it's like you just had to be hooping. I'm almost on the same vein as Eddie, where it's like I don't really, you know, the numbers aside, records aside, were you hooping? And I can tell that just by watching the games, whether or not you was hooping. So you can get into the semantics of all the other stuff if you have multiple players that were playing at the same level. But as we're going to get into, I don't feel that necessarily to be the case this season. So uh, I, I do want to say on, on the point of the records, yes, it, in many instances, it doesn't have to be a factor or a quote unquote parameter. But when it's as, when it's as clear as it is in one case, then it has to be. A, a, a freaking parameter it has to be like all right that that's 
for sure, not even a point. That's a hundred points in your book. One in seven. That that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. So Julio, you've already given us your pick. Um, let's get into who we think is the MVP. We're forty minutes in, and then we can have a real discussion instead of you know manufacturing these discussions about who we think. We can have a real debate about why we think the MVP is and who should the MVP be. So I'll flip it to you, Eddie. Who is your pick for MVP this season? Um, so before I give it away, I do want to talk about Steph a little bit in that, you know, I wasn't given the opportunity during the argument because <laughs> y'all made me talk down <laughs> he has to cleanse himself, about right? him. Um, the he first part is sins. I didn't expect like this much love for him and his like MVP candidacy after his games. Because ap- like after the Boston game, after the Philly game, especially like there was just so much you know, up and down the Twitter timeline, like so many people talking about like, oh, you know, this has been the MVP um, or like this shows this is why he's the MVP. Like Magic Johnson was saying that, you know, like one, I think that just goes to show um, Steph Curry is the number one most watchable, maybe athlete on the planet, but at least in basketball, like when he when he goes off, there's there's nothing quite like it. And I think that's part of why when he goes on these hot streaks, you know, people are so ready to start talking a bunch of stuff about, you know, his candidacy. But the second part and, and the most importantly, I believe that Steph Curry has been the best player in the league this year. Um, and I also believe that he his like skill level and his execution of the game and the way he's playing is not only like best in the league this year, but maybe some of the best sort of just execution like mastery of the game of basketball we've ever seen all time you know and i'm talking about this is better than steph has been in his unanimous mvp year because he's beating double teams triple teams traps box and ones you know all sorts of different coverages and he's averaging almost better efficiency than he was you know in 2016 so point being this is one of the most like incredible single seasons from a player i've ever seen and that's why i hate to say that he's not the MVP, but it's like, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to see his work on the, you know, on the court, not end up in something that's tangible. And whether that's wins or whether that's just the feeling of success, it feels like, and I, and I know this goes into your argument, Julio, of, oh, he's, he's basically carrying the team when the team is basically like almost denying him those wins, but that's really what it feels like. You know, like they haven't been able to string the Warriors at is any sort of consistent success, any sort of like consistency throughout the season, you know, and, and I think like that really does go against his case when we're talking about a guy like Nikola Jokic, who is my MVP. And I think there's just a difference when you talk about Steph and Jokic in that both have been like transcendent this year. I think Steph has been the better player, but Jokic has been averaging like 30, 10 and 6 the entire year almost, you know, averaging like 60% from the field and 40% from three. And it feels like when he does drop those numbers and when he does do all of that, you know, like the team is enjoying some sort of like consistent run of success and that those moments, you know, they feel like they're, um, they're leading to something, you know, it feels like they're leading to like a, a, a being a, a real contender in the West. It feels like they're leading to finally, this is the year people give them the, the, the love that they deserve, that they're not just this surprise upstart team anymore. It feels like, you know, after Aaron Gordon was there and before Jamal Murray got hurt, people were talking about, oh, can they beat the Lakers? You know, can they beat the LA teams? All of that. 
You know, and like you don't get that with the Warriors. It feels like everything outside of Steph's play is going against, you know, everything's like, oh, but can he carry him to the playing tournament? Can he carry him, you know, to the first round of the playoffs? And it's like, yeah, I think at the end of the day, that, that just has to go against his MVP candidacy. We don't, we don't award players for carrying teams into the playoffs. But why why not? See, then it becomes... So what you're saying I, is... I have three things to say. I, I have three things to say. Then it becomes a parameter for you from the man who said, I ain't got no parameters. It becomes a parameter for you to maybe not just only make it into the playoffs, but the record. The record itself becomes a parameter. And I understand that, you know, the dude's play has to lead to, has to, lead to wins. It obviously does. Like, it, it obviously does. It's just that the team, I, I feel like you're inversely, here's the second thing, you're inversely, you know, by not wanting to punish Embiid for having Simmons or Jokic for having a good, you know, o- overall squad with Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray most of the season, you're inversely punishing Steph for having a garbage-ass squad. That's why, to me, the word contextualization, you just have to contextualize. Like, put, put uh, uh, each player in, in different scenarios, in, in, you know, whether it's a better scenario or worse scenario, how would they perform? And all I know is that Steph's showing me how he would perform. And then the last thing is that I, I, I feel like you kind of shot yourself in the foot. You said his unanimous MVP season, one of the best seasons we've ever seen at, from a basketball player, period, you said he, you think he's been playing a little bit better now. Now, to me, that sounds like a runaway unanimous But, but you know what that is, though? The unanimous MVP season had that aura of, like, fantastic to it. You know, and, like, I think all of us who watch that season understand what I mean by that. Like, Steph Curry was the NBA's preeminent superstar. He was the center of attention around the world in terms of basketball. You don't you don't get that same oh, sort oh, of feeling. So, and again, this is the narratives that maybe Reagan is talking about, that this is a part of it. That's what I'm but saying. But you don't get that this season. You know, and, and maybe this is me- That should not be a problem. Maybe this is media driven or something. If, but if it, it it has to matter a little bit to me. I think it has if, to if if I'm if I'm if if dude was carrying you know his squad in Memphis, bro, I'm gonna give it to him in Memphis. You know, like <laughs> I mean, bro was playing with a a, a great Clay uh, at that time, a very good Draymond who's you know who wasn't garbage like he like he is now kind of um, with good role players and not a horrible squad like overall squad. I, I mean that equates to wins and a part of that aura a big aspect of that you know aura and narrative is having a a legit shot at winning the championship we all know you know the warriors can't win a championship this year it's because that was their first you know was that their first no no it was after the first championship right the unanimous yeah 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 yeah, so they, they were still fresh off the cuff. And now it's like, not that they became old news, but why should that be held against them, man? Like, that, that doesn't really tell me anything. I think it, and I, I know I just said I didn't have a real definition for it, but when I say who is hooping, I feel like a better way to define it, and this probably bridges your two arguments in a way that makes sense, is like, who dominated? Who was dominant? And it's hard to envision a player who might be individually dominant, 
but if they're out here struggling for wins on a win to on a on a night to night basis, it's hard to see that player as dominant, as good of an individual talent as they might have been, right? Curry as dominating a force as he is, his team struggles. So it's not exactly dominance, right? When we think that's about, why you gotta that's why you yeah, gotta that's contextualize why it is, to an extent, right? But when we you think about the past, right? When we think about Giannis last year, dominating, night in, night out. Easy 30 and 15, like it was nothing. Harden in his MVP year, dominant. LeBron in his MVP years, dominance, right? Like we want to, that's to, that might be the best indicator or the best sort of compass in terms of guiding who is the MVP, who really dominated basketball in the regular season this year. And perhaps that's even why um, you're able to hand it to a guy like Russell Westbrook in a year maybe where he didn't deserve it because you felt that dominance that Russell Westbrook was bringing to the court on a night-in and night-out basis. Even if that wasn't translating to team wins all the time, they were only a six seed, but it was like, yo, Russell Westbrook is out there literally triple-double dominating the box score, right? So we think about who's dominating basketball in this year. I'm torn between two individuals, one of which being Jokic and the other being Embiid. I believe that Embiid has probably been slightly more dominant, but less consistent. And first of all, I love the fact that we're talking about two centers, but I'm probably leaning towards Jokic. And that's because Jokic, he, and I don't want to frame my argument around, like, I don't think the availability thing, I agree with you, Eddie, it shouldn't be the thing that you hinge it on in a year like this or any year for that matter is just because it feels kind of diminishing to say, well, Jokic has surpassed 2,000 minutes, so let's give it to Jokic. Like, it's not just that. He's been also very dominant, but, like, quietly dominant because Jokic is just like a – he doesn't seem like a dominating force, but you watch him play, you can tell everything runs through him in Denver. And that offense is so good because of Nikola Jokic, and he not only makes himself good, but he's uplifting the players around him. Michael Porter wouldn't be the player that we've seen him growing to be if it wasn't for Nikola Jokic. Jamal Murray wouldn't have been as good as he was without Nikola Jokic. The dudes around him benefit from his being there. So I would probably go Jokic. But I will agree that it feels like a waste of of an all-time season from Steph simply because of how dominant he was, but his team was so, what's the antithesis of dominant? Scrubbish? But see, look. look Stephen Curry and, and lost the MVP my, because of Kelly Oubre. Let's say it. That's all. That, that, that's, that's, what might, that got, that's what I'm saying. That might be true. That's what I'm saying. My main argument is contextualization. How many, if Chris Paul is worth 22 wins, how many wins do you think Clay's worth? Just Clay Thompson? 12? 12, maybe? 12? Is that a good number? I would probably go less. To this team, I would say... 10? To this team, I would say like 15. Depends, I mean, to the world. Okay, let's just go... If Reagan would say 10, you would say 15, let's go 12. That would put them at a 40 and 10 pace. They're 28 and 22 when Steph plays. But we, that would put them at a we 40 okay, and 10 pace. There's like a difference, though, between contextualizing and hypotheticals. Right, we can contextualize all we want, and I feel like we should contextualize, but we can't operate in hypotheticals and say what if either, because what if isn't what is. Bro, bro's just, bro's just going crazy. He's going crazy. He like, I'll, there's not a person who understands basketball on this earth who won't tell you Stephen Curry is on a different level right now, and he might be the best player in basketball with LeBron, you know, out. Like, you, you can make the argument that Stephen Curry, in terms of players that are out there playing right now. 
might be the best player in basketball, but and, and MVP is a yeah. is, is a is a award. Yeah, I mean, dominance. and here's my other argument. Here's my other argument. Anyone who wants to say that okay, Steph right now is averaging I don't know how much he's at what thirty one a game, thirty two a game. Yeah, and Jokic is averaging the same thing. Whose job is harder? Whose job is harder? I mean, it's, it's probably Steph. Yeah. Steph. I mean, goddamn, bro. And, and, and bro is still shooting extremely efficiently, which is, you know, uh, uh, Kobe, Kobe previously had the record for, uh, um, you know, all these 30-plus uh, uh, straight games. But his efficiency was, you know, nowhere near, especially when you add, when you contextualize and add Steph's difficult shot, you know, taking difficulty, um, you know, being so damn far away uh, and throwing shots, shots up with his goddamn left hand over his shoulder and shooting sideways and stuff is still making it. Uh, to me, to me, it's magical. To me, I see the narrative in my eyes i don't i i don't have to see wins i mean i hope for the narrative to be driven i hope you become powerful enough to you know dictate that narrative because i don't think it's it's there right now you know but if you were on you know fox sports or something and you started talking enough maybe it becomes one i but, mean you'd be some, like steve Stephen a's out here cape not caping for mvp but he's you know steph's having his best season best shooter all that um Kendrick Perkins even that one kind of surprised me yeah. but like that's what I'm talking about that was about. freaking hilarious Kendrick Perkins uh, sorry to cut you off but I want to get this off Kendrick Perkins admitted to hating on Stephen Curry because of his light skinnedness <laughs> thereby eyes. confirming a lot of theories that people had about Stephen Curry and why he received so much hate he was jealous because he wasn't light skinned confirmed by <laughs> Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick really went on Twitter and said he was a, a self-hating man. <laughs> like he didn't need to do all right. that. Right, I was like, yo, bro, love, love that melanin, man. Come on now, don't do that. But okay, so the th- the thing about Steph is like, I agree. <laughs> I agree with everything you guys brought up. Like I completely agree, and it's like it's very possible that Steph doesn't win this MVP just because Kelly Oubre. You know, is like the third best player on the team, or or, or, or um, you know, Kent Bazemore is making dumb decisions half of the time. You know, like it's very possible, and it's like, yeah, we're like we don't want to punish players for uh, having a bad supporting cast. But listen, like at the end of the day, like if that supporting cast doesn't do its job and create those moments, those dominating moments, as you say, Reagan, for Steph Curry, I don't want to give that to him over. When they're doing um, it in Denver for Jokic or even maybe in, in Philly for Embiid, you know, like it, it's just really tough because, again, I feel like if Steph doesn't get the MVP this year, we might forget, you know, like it might be lost in the history books. There's how good he was this year. Just Justin, you know, for, for the casual public. And that feels tough because you either want to validate your season with like a championship or like a good playoff run, which I don't think the Warriors are going to have or like an MVP, you know, like a regular season accolade. And it's like it's tough because I think maybe due to front office negligence and and bad coaching and terrible teammates that we might forget about the Steph season, but you know it is what it is. I just I just don't think you can give it I, to him. And I just want to say, can people please, 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 please give dudes like AI his flowers? That year when he went to the finals and played the Lakers. Of course they're not going to beat the Lakers. And, you know, AI never really had a supporting cast to really merit a, 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 
a squad that, you know, a lot of people would expect to maybe get a championship or two. Um, but to me, it just it just rings bells in my head that, like, it just reminds me of dudes like AI who literally dragged his squad. That squad was another one like this one where it's just – it's horrendous. Hey, he it, it was not camera. good at all. <laughs> That's like saying I, I got I got a, mul- a multi-time all-star in Draymond. That might so? damn near be the equivalent. Because that was like an old Dikembe, <laughs> wasn't it? That was not prime Dikembe. Yeah. That might be. Yeah, no. Ooh, that was a nice one. That was a nice So I, I, just, I just want people to really recognize, you know, although we can all agree that Steph overall in, you know, the grand scheme of things is a greater player, obviously, than AI. But a, a dude like AI who maybe I feel like doesn't get appreciated enough. Um, I, I just feel like you always got to contextualize, especially when the when these players are freaking busting up their – it's almost like they're wasting their careers uh, um, for for nothing. And it's almost sad to say. Obviously, I, I enjoy watching it, but you obviously want them to do it at, at a grand scale. So when these when these players are dragging their squads, it's like, Man, what 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 more can you expect them to do? It's like Kobe having smushed Parker as the second best player. Ronnie Turiaf, you know, Vladimir Radmanovic. What? Come on, dog. Come on. Let, let's be real about this. Don't don't be giving no MVPs to to Steve Nash over Kobe Bryant. Don't be giving no MVPs to Steve Nash over Shaq. Come on. Come on. So are you saying Amen. Jokic is this year's Steve Nash? Nah, he. I mean, he. He's. He's putting up the. He's putting up much better numbers. I just feel like Steph is just on a different stratosphere right now. Put Jokic in a situation just like is similar to Steph. Team's not going as far. It's really funny that you mentioned like stratosphere. I think ultimately the best way to put it is like Steph is taking off. But as much as like we like to, you know, use the phrase gravity to talk about the impact and highlighted stuff, like the rest of his team is really like literally <laughs> gravity t- bringing him back down to earth. Like it's hard to but think about sh- stuff. You shouldn't even in a be. You shouldn't even be taking into account his team. Yeah, you got to, you got to, because ultimately it's the basketball product, right? Like we're we're looking at this thing holistically, and we're looking about you know who was dominating the NBA this year. All right. If if that's definitely a factor, then no crap. Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Jamichael Green is better than Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, uh, Jordan Poole, Nico Mannion, and, and all of them. They don't even play Nico Mannion. Don't do that. Don't do that. They don't play Nico. But yeah, that just goes to show, like, knock knock front offices. Don't BS your players. Like Steph's a nice dude. He'll stick around. Probably, but like, hashtag free Bradley Beal. <laughs> you know what the word is on this podcast. I, I do, I do want to see these dudes thrive. Like, we talked a lot about stuff, but I do want to bring up the Joel thing, and it's that I don't know if he would be in my top three even because, really? because I think where he really has like transcendent impact is the defense, you know? And it's, it's weird to say because, you know, Philly has Thibel and Danny Green and Simmons and all of those great defensive players. But Embiid might be like the guy who makes that defense another level. But You're saying Ben Simmons the is not the best defender on his team. I mean, 
Embiid has a better again rim rim protectors. Don't don't tell Ben Simmons that he don't don't say that to Ben Simmons. But okay, but so here's the, the thing. thing I, I I just want to finish ahead, my point ahead. is that like I know Embiid is dropping like thirty and ten this season on really good efficiency. He's making like KD type shots or whatever. But um, that offense is you know middle of the pack in the league, and just you know again like from watching Philly, I'm always a little bit underwhelmed by their offense. You know, like, I think the, the Embiid, like, post-ups, like, the ISOs, like, they're good, but they're not, like, the best offensive system. You know, it's unlike Jokic, where him, as the hub, whether he's scoring or passing and facilitating, like, that creates, like, a machine. You know, it feels like in, in, in Philly, when Embiid does all of that, it's, like, it's stuck in the mud. You know, and I think the numbers back it up in that they're a mediocre offense. And that's what really kind of hinders my um, uh, case for Embiid, is that... Again, like the defense is great, it's phenomenal, but he's putting up a lot of I don't want to say empty numbers, but um, they're not like high impact numbers. I think the difference with Jokic too this season is that he's being what I've kind of always wanted him to be more assertive. Like he he's better than his numbers and. As great as his and his triple doubles are are meaningful, and when I say triple doubles, I I just mean that he put he puts up a lot of assists, rebounds, and points. But I to me I I just didn't like when he would put up twelve, eleven, and ten. You, you know, it, because I just know he's so he's capable of so much more. He's capable of putting up thirty, thirty five, and, and you would see that at times. But now you're seeing it more often because he's being more assertive. That's 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 one point that uh, um, I feel like works in his favor strongly. And then what was I gonna say? Uh, I forgot the other thing. I forgot the other thing. No sweat, man. We coming up on this hour anyway. I did before we get out of here. Just want to show y'all something that I dug up out of my old trophy case. VV Victor Valley National Junior Basketball. Uh, most most improved player. <laughs> no, not most improved junior, player. Ju, ju, junior basketball YMCA Division Five. No, okay. Uh, can I finish? Heart, heart, and hustle. Skills competition, <laughs> second place. Boom. <laughs> Dribbling, ball handling, finishing, passing, skills competition. Two thousand. Y'all, y'all wasn't ready Damn. for prime. That I'll tell you when I was prime, Reagan, bro. Easy, Kyle Anderson. Just, just. Who, just, who else was in that competition? Only one dude that was better than me. Only <laughs> one dude that was better than me. I'm telling you, Prime Reagan was hooping back in 2010, 2011. Yeah. And since I've lost I, it. I, I, I did have one more thing to say on, on the Steph front. I forgot my other point. But on, on the Steph front, um, I feel like a lot of people, you know, some people were having the argument I, I saw on Twitter and, and on some of these sports shows. That you know who who's the greatest offensive player of all time, and I, I just want to make a clear distinction. This doesn't really have to do with anything, but just because we're on the Steph topic, um, I feel like I had to bring it up. So, okay, I feel like people get mixed up, and, and it's very simple to me: the greatest offensive player of all time versus the greatest uh, uh, offensive weapon. Of all time. Mm. Now, when I take into when I say weapon, I mean at any moment, bro can just drop a nuclear 
bomb stronger, bigger than any weapon or, or whatever than you will ever, ever come to know or experience. And that, to me, is easily Steph. Now, when I'm talking about greatest offensive player of all time, yes, is Steph's ceiling maybe higher than anybody else? Just like I said, yes, sure. But when I'm talking about offensive, like to me, that that just points out skill and, you know, dudes like Kyrie, KD. And you guys know that I think Kyrie's the, the most skilled player of all time. Um, and he's definitely up there in this conversation. But in terms of greatest score, I'd probably point to Jordan, Kobe, uh, uh, KD, most likely, KD especially. Um, but I just want to make that distinction because I feel like a lot of people don't get that distinction. Yeah. And, and to further that point, right, the the many ways you can weaponize Stephen Curry, right? Not yeah. just on the that, ball, that, but yeah. off the ball. Like, you can do a lot with mm-hmm. it. But yeah, I think that's a good distinction you made for sure. Eddie, any, any closing words on this most valuable episode? That might be what I tied to it. Um, not really, other than I think James Harden should get more love because, again, like in terms of just impact, and we talk about value as impact, you know, Harden might be the third most impactful player in the league, and that accounts he for something. He played 68 I mean, games. Re- Reagan, did, did, <laughs> Reagan, did he not make you, th- did he not make you think that, that Brooklyn was easily the best team in the league, we're going to win a championship, and now that he's been out, oh, shoot, coincidentally, they're... You know, you're having I mean, scratching not, the, your head literally I can't, I can't. about them. I'm, I'm itching. I have okay. I have braids in. My braids get itchy sometimes. Jeez, nitpick much? But no, um, no. When he was playing, it was like clear as day. That's why I say like if he would have been able to uh, sustain that, obviously not get hurt, um, he should definitely be. He might be at the front of this MVP conversation. But the my reason for concern with the Nets isn't exactly the fact that. Uh, He's not playing more so the fact that they have not seen what they look like as an entire unit. Now, I think that this team is more talented than that Clippers team last year. And I think that they have a little bit more, in theory, cohesion than that team last year would have. But it's still a concern for me that, you know, come playoff time, it'll be one of the first of few times that we've seen Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden and Joe Harris and Nick Claxton and all of those dudes step on the court at the same time as a team. But with that said, they'll have a learning curve. And if they let James Harden be that engine, like they should be, I don't think it'll be the as steep of a learning curve as the one that the Clippers had to undergo and the one that was ultimately their undoing. So, and on that, on that end, next episode, we're definitely going to talk about, Maybe how I, I was I was correct and you guys were a little bit on the wronger side of things on the Rajon Rondo topic yep. of things. No, so he, we'll, get good, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Clippers have been looking good for sure. But yeah, that's for another episode. So thank you all so much for tuning in. All I'll estimate 50 of y'all. Much appreciated. As always, go follow the socials, please. We want to see your faces, your beautiful faces. We want to interact with you. We want to see who the people that are crazy enough to listen to Julio, Eddie, and Reagan talk about basketball for an hour every week. Y'all must be some bored motherfuckers doing that. So <laughs> I'm playing with y'all. You know what it is over here at Hoop and Holler. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.